Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey everybody welcome back to another episode of meet us at molly's this is episode 94 tonight we're going to cover episodes 14 so 414 714 614 as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. What a week in one Chicagoland, right? I know. Crazy. Yeah, it was It was a rough one. It was rough. So, as always, we like to start with the news, and we're just going to dive right in tonight because we have a lot to talk about. And I feel like I say that every week, but it's true. Like, yeah. we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So I'll start us off. We have episode descriptions for episodes 15. So these are the episodes that aired this coming Wednesday because it's Monday when you're listening to this. So we've got Med and then we've got the Fire and PD crossover. So let's start with Med. So this episode of Med is called We Hold These Truths. And the description says, after witnessing a pickup truck plow through a street fair, Natalie and Maggie are forced to make some tough decisions on the fly. The doctors and nurses of Chicago Med find themselves on high alert with the influx of patients arriving in need of aid. Dr. Charles's ex-wife comes to town with news. Dun, dun, dun. It sounds like the whole focus is going to be on this pickup truck issue with like a little bit of the Dr. Charles stuff like sprinkled in. Yeah. I'm curious though what news she could have. But right, because I feel like if it was normally a character, like if it was almost anyone else but Dr. Charles, and they were like, Oh, an ex comes to town with news, that's almost like a someone's pregnant kind of thing. I mean, Robin could be pregnant, I guess. Connor's baby, lol, dude. Hey, it depends on when they filmed though, because Micaiah Cox just had a baby, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's too off base, I don't know, just what ifs, but. Med. Yeah. Yeah. And the promo photos, because we got promo photos for all the episodes as well. They're not really that telling. It's just kind of the same stuff as always. It's, you know, Natalie and Maggie at the street festival, like gripping each other for dear life. And then Will hovered over a patient. And then Connor hovered over a patient. It's nothing too juicy. Yeah. Brenna, would you like to take us through the first part of the fire crossover? Yeah. So the fire half of the crossover is called What I Saw. And it's basically in the first part of a crossover with PD. A spate of robberies comes to light after a firehouse lock box key goes missing. CPD's Voight has suspicions that a firefighter may be involved. And with Bowden's support, he recruits crews to go undercover and help sniff out any suspicious activity. So, wait a second. Because now now that we've seen, because there was like a preview clip for this episode. I'm confused. Are they saying the lockbox key that, like, is in the firehouse, like, in the fire truck that Casey goes and grabs, that goes missing? Or the keys in the lockbox that we saw that weren't there are missing? I think it's the keys in the lockbox. But, I mean, this begs all the question because, I mean, when this sneak peek came out, and if you haven't seen it, listeners, it's on Facebook, uh, I think the question you and I both had was, what the fuck is a lockbox? 
Because, I mean, is it one key? Is it multiple keys? I would imagine that said lockbox would be like one master key for like all of the apartments. No, but there were like rows. So I think it's just individual keys for every apartment. That's so inefficient in an emergency, though. Well, and it's so inefficient that it's stupid that you put it outside, but okay. Yeah, that too. So, but no, but this makes it seem like the key to the lockbox that is the firehouse's, like, master key that Casey goes and gets from the truck goes missing. That's what the wording of this makes it look like. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Hence why I'm confused. Okay, I'm definitely Googling what is an apartment lockbox. I mean, I'm not proud of it, but hey, I got to find this out, right? Um, Let me see here. The lockbox holds the keys to the home and is typically found at the front guarded by a security lock. That still makes no sense in the case of an emergency because you still have to go fumbling through all the keys. Yeah. This, none of this is making I sense. mean, we have something that, like, at least from the video, like, looks at, like, in our house. Because, like, we have, like, 10 million keys to, like, different cars and ATVs and whatever. Um, so we have something similar. I mean, we don't have it, like, hanging up and it's just, like, for us to keep things straight. Um, but, like, it holds all the keys. So that's why I was thinking it was, like, a key to every individual apartment. But again, why the fuck is it outside? And what still went missing? Those keys, which looked like they went missing to me. And, or the actual, like, master firehouse key. Also of note in that clip is that, I mean, is it the landlord they run into as soon as they arrive or something? And the guy's like, we have a lockbox. Don't go, like, destroying anything. And Bowden totally minds it. Bowden's like, no, I see. Don't worry. That's cool. Like, really? Well, my under, the way I took it, and I could be completely wrong, was like, what if it's one of those, and again, this seems like very high tech for an apartment, but I'm just thinking like, what if it's something where if they tried to like knock down a door, it would like lock out like the system and they wouldn't be able to get in. Yeah, that's something I was wondering too, if maybe it's that kind of thing where it's like super high tech. That was what my, that's how I took that comment to be, was that it was just like super high tech. So if they tried to like bust down the door, then they would like lock out, like they wouldn't be able to get into other doors kind of thing. That was how so I like took it. like if one apartment gets broken into, all of the apartments go on lockdown? I don't know. That's what I was taking it as. That was the only way that comment made sense to me. So um, listeners and Derek, if you're out there, if you know what we're talking about, please explain this to us, but please be nice about it. I mean, this will um, all become delight, I guess, in two days from now, but, like, still. Yeah. It's still a mystery. Like, we're still just kind of, we haven't figured this out yet. So, I just want to know. <laughs> we'll see. So, going over to PD. Yes. So, PD's part of the cross crossover is entitled Good Men. This is the second part of the crossover with Chicago Fire, and it says, Using information from Chicago Fire's crews, intelligence chases down the robbery crew that's been using the lockbox key. One key. Right, so that's why I'm thinking that someone then also steals the master key that Casey goes and gets from the truck. See, the master key is the one that makes the most sense, that it's like you have one key that unlocks all of the doors. That makes sense. No, but I'm saying that fire because fire i'm talking about fire's master key to the box to the lockbox mm -hmm. and that i'm assuming goes to like any other apartment lockbox in town or in their district 
Yes. So that's what I'm assuming is stolen. Not the apartment master key. Okay. Because that was... Because if they then steal the lockbox key, like the master key that fire that is engine 50 or firehouse 51s, then mm-hmm. they can go to other apartments in Chicago, open those lockboxes, steal all those apartment keys, and get into everyone's apartments. Yes. You might be right. That's how I'm taking all of this. Again, not the best wording. Very confused. But like so maybe on that first call we see in the sneak peek, somebody takes the master key. I and that's what I'm assuming, which is stupid. The only way this makes sense. Which is stupid because then like where the fuck did they put the key that someone would steal it? But I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yes, that is my taking of the situation. <laughs> oh goodness. Anyway, you can finish this. Did you finish the sentence? I don't even know. Did you? I didn't. No. Go no. ahead. Um, also, Voight is under pressure to bring the crew to justice without tarnishing the reputation of a murdered firefighter who might have been involved. So the cool thing about these promo pictures is you get to see kind of who crosses over where. We've got a very, very rare Savasi crossover coming in the PD portion. Because Severide and Casey are both pictured in the promo pictures, and that never happens. But is it really that rare, though? It feels rare. I feel like I can count on one hand the amount of times that Casey has crossed over onto PD. Severide a little bit more because, like, he was dating Lindsay and then that time he went to jail and, like, all that other stuff. But I think Casey's only been on PD, like, maybe three or four times. I guess I was thinking more, yes, Casey himself does not appear on PD that much. I was thinking about crossover episodes. I was like, no, they cross over all the time in crossover episodes. Like, that's not that rare. But it's just very rare that you know, our favorite captain and our favorite lieutenant come to play on the other shows. Yes, unless they are in a crossover, I see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I they don't you. come to play very often. No, they but don't. But that's okay. So, yeah, that's that's happening. And there's a lot of crews in these promo pictures, too. It's just cool to see everybody working together. And there's a part of the promo where, like, Halstead and crews are talking. And it's just a lot of duos you don't usually see, which is one of my favorite parts of the crossovers. Yeah, Halstead and crews were even doing – um there's, like, on the NBC Press site, there are some, like, you know, those, like, interview clip kind of things. And, like, one of them, mm-hmm. I haven't got to watch it yet, but one of them is Jesse and Joe. Like, together. Cool. I gotta watch that. I haven't seen it yet, but I was like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But, yeah, those are the episode descriptions for 15, which you, which you will see this week. We've also got episode descriptions for 16. Which are not this week, but next week. So, 416, 716, and 616. This is all three. Bryna, will you start us off with Med? Yes. Med is titled Old Flames, New Sparks. And so it says, Natalie and Will grow further apart. Because, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Charles struggles to come to terms with his feelings towards his ex-wife. The personal issues between Dr. Rhodes and Dr. Becker continue to cause problems at the hospital. I feel like two out of these three sentences have just been, like, the same descriptions for Med for, like, weeks now. Oh, yeah, for sure. The reason that I love this description, and I had sent this to you when they first came down, I was like, I feel like Med is, like, maybe five minutes away from, in like, using their descriptions to just say, like, same shit, different day. But actually, like, no. I know. So that's why I love that so much. I mean... That's kind of the point we're at, where the descriptions are just like, more shit happens. People are mad at each other. The same stuff. Moving on. 
Yeah. So, that's med. Nothing, again, I can't take much from that because same shit, different day. (laughs) It's true, and we will get into the nitty gritty with med because, oh man. Oh yeah. Like, it's bad over at Chicago Med right now. Yep. Everybody hates each other. It's not even that. It's just, like, toxic. Like, I don't even think everyone hates each other that much. It's just toxic. It's just a toxic tension in the air. But we'll get there. We will get there. Yes. Yes, yes. So moving on to Fire. This episode of Fire is called Fault in Him. And it says, during an emergency call... An unsuspecting Lieutenant Casey, or Captain Casey, actually. Hey, I just copied and pasted it, so NBC was wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Semantics, whatever. During an emergency call, an unsuspecting Captain Casey suddenly finds his life in peril. Grissom is coming back. Grissom warns the firehouse that they will need to gear up for a performance evaluation. Nope. Otis discovers he won a raffle prize at a recent fundraiser, and Brett is met with challenges in her personal life. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Grissom. I, I love how, though, it's just like Grissom comes back to tell them they're going to be, like, evaluated, and we're just like, oh, jeez. I know. We're just like, oh, crap. Look who's back. Like, come back for, like, some other reason. Don't come back and judge our guys. Okay, thanks. Right. Just, just leave them alone. Leave them alone. <laughs> like... Um, Lieutenant Casey, who's actually Captain Casey, I don't know why I keep correcting that in the description, I just do, um, suddenly finds his life in peril, and this is different from any other week, how? I know, but actually, we were just, like, we were, when we were texting about this, we were like, we're gonna start using that elevator call from the premiere as, like, a way to judge, like, how bad things actually are, so is this worse than the elevator, or not as bad as the elevator? Right, right. Is it worse than being pancaked in an elevator or better? How, like, that's how we gauge Casey disasters now. Yep. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my goodness. And the last episode description we've got is called The Forgotten. Brenda, did you find the description for this one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Because when we got this batch of episode descriptions, it came from the NBC press release and there was nothing under this one, so... Yeah, I figured I'd double-check the website, and it was there. Okay, okay. I was actually really amused. I was like, haha, the... Go ahead. I guess they do it in press releases. I don't know. Wherever I find them on the NBC website never looks like the way they do when you send them to me and, like, when I see them on Twitter. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe this... I don't know. I was just like, let me just double-check while I'm, like, making that line. And it was there. So I was like, I'll just put it in. All right. Do you want to take us through it? Yeah, I mean, it's literally one sentence. Voight's stay out of politics stance is challenged as intelligence uncovers the details surrounding a prolific serial killer. But he's not staying out of politics this season? Apparently not. No, but he hasn't been, is what I'm saying. Wait, say that again? He hasn't been staying out of politics. That's what I'm saying, but they're saying he's taken the stay out of politics stance. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that is not consistent. I can consistent. three characters on my hand, like, that are involved in politics that are also involved with Voight, like. Kelton? Pierce, or not Pierce, that's Wendell Pierce. Um, Kelton, what's his name, who Wendell Pierce plays? Price. And the girl. The girl. The blonde girl, Anne Hayes' character. Yes, yes. Why did I blink on that? Um, yes. 
Absolutely. And then Woods was kind of politically leaning, right? Yeah, but he hasn't been this season. I was just talking about this season. True. True. Yeah, so, I mean, I was amused when we saw when we saw the batch of episode descriptions without it. I was just like, oh, funny, the episode's called The Forgotten, and there's no episode description. Like, they forgot it. That's funny. I see what they did there. Yeah. But, well, I was confused for a second when I saw, like, what you had originally sent me. I was like, well, this says, like, new. It doesn't say, like, repeat or something, so where's the fucking description? Like, especially if you already gave fire and med descriptions, um, which is part of the reason why I wanted to just double check today. So, I did. And, I mean, I guess we'll discuss this more in the PD portion, but, like, I'm curious what they're ramping up to with the finale with PD. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways know. it can go. We're, like, just over the halfway mark, right? Or we're a little bit over the halfway mark? Um, We're three episodes over the halfway mark. Okay. So Eleven to the, the halfway, halfway mark. mark. Yeah. True. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We will see. But yes, that is what is coming in the next week or two of our One Chicago show. So it'll be a doozy. Mm-hmm. We are ready. Elsewhere, we've got a bit of news from the Entertainment Cheat Sheet. This is a news source for us. We don't really. I've literally see never them. seen this. And you didn't send this to me. So I like when I saw this in that line, I was like, what the fuck is this? Who is Jeff Lima? I was like, what is this? Yeah. So Jeff Lima is the actor who plays Leon Cruz. Yeah. And basically it just says, you know, Jeff Lima teases why Leon returns in season seven and what it means for Joe. Um, And it's just a good little chat with him asking, you know, how's Leon been? What does it mean when he comes back and, you know, clues Joe in on what's going on? And one of the interesting parts I saw in this interview is that, you know, he basically comes back with a warning for Joe, which like. He flew up from Florida to Chicago to deliver a warning. Right. I, I I don't know. I mean, I'll be curious to see how this plays out. But I read that and I was like, wait, huh? It's a little cryptic. Yeah, what is this message? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll post the link. I mean, I, I love when Leon comes back anytime because it makes Cruz happy and I love when Cruz is happy. So yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he has left the crime life behind him. Yeah. So there was also something interesting, and I think it might have been in this article, too, where, uh, yeah, Jeff was talking about how it would make Joe so happy if, like, it would be awesome to see if Leon moved back to Chicago and then, like, became a firefighter. Or a medic or something, yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. We can dream. I would love that. I would love that. Oh, my God. Cruz would just be, like, beaming with pride. That would be awesome. Yeah. So our last bit of news is a bit of casting on Chicago PD. Brian, I'll let you take us through this because said actress has a link to one of your favorite shows. Yeah, I'm going to butcher the last name, though, because I don't speak French. But Nikki Michaud? Michaud? That sounds about right. Michaud? Yeah. Um, she's going to play Jasmine Price. The composed, bright, hopeful, impressive daughter of Ray Price, a rising political star on the wings of her successful father, is the description that we got from Deadline. Ray Price has a daughter. Well, and here's what I was texting with you about. So Nikki Michelle, I mean, she's not old by any means, but she's definitely older. She's probably in her 40s. Yeah. Wendell Pierce isn't that old. He's probably in his, like, late 40s, early 50s would be my guess. Something like that. So, like... 
I mean, it's going to be very, like, I mean, I would assume then Price had a kid at 16, 17, 18. I don't know. She She's definitely older than I imagined Price's daughter would be. I definitely thought she would be more so, like Brianna Woods' age. Right. No, she's old. I mean, like, again, she's not old, but, like, she's older. Like, I've been, she's on a recurring role in Good Trouble right now, which you guys heard me talk about last week. And she plays, I mean, she plays a mom on that show. Like, a mom of a teenage boy who got mm-hmm. killed. Um. And so, no, and that's why when I saw the name, I was like, oh, really? She's going to play a daughter? Okay. Like, if I hadn't read that she was going to be a daughter, if she was just going to be related to Price somehow, I'd been like, oh, so she's going to play his wife. Huh. Like, that's why I'm just, like, I'm having personally a hard time believing that, like, they're going to be able to play it off as, like, a kid. I don't know. I mean, I'll see it when I see it, but. I just didn't expect her to be older um, and involved in politics, too. So I guess they're just a very political family or she just wanted to follow in dad's footsteps. I don't know. But she's probably here to fuck shit up. Yeah, I don't know. I'll be be curious to see it because I like I mean, I like some of her other stuff that she's done. I like her. So I like again, I was just surprised when I saw daughter. I was like, but she's older. So like, I'm going to have a hard time believing it. But okay. Yeah. So, so I don't know. We will see. I mean, and it'll be interesting to see if she's, you know, just as conniving as her father or like maybe more so, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, but that's all the news. That is all the news. Yeah. So as always, guys, I mean, if you see something, please send it to us. It's only two of us. It's a great big internet. Sometimes we miss things. You guys are really good about sending us news. So definitely like keep that going. That would be great. But yeah, um, otherwise, I think it is time to jump into the episodes, shall we? Yes. Alrighty. So again, episodes 14. So 414, 715. Now, now I can't speak. Like 414, 714, 614. Yeah. Thank you, Brennan. Yes. So something interesting that they did with these episodes is they focused on the ladies. They made a point to say, like, it's very women focused. Because it's Galentine's. Galentine's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so how did we feel about this? How did you feel about them highlighting the women on Galentine's Day? I mean, I feel like they were stretching it a little bit with the med part. Like, Meg didn't, like, yes, Maggie had, like, a prominent storyline, but, like, it really wasn't, like, the same as the Fire and the PD ones were. Yeah. And I feel like it was just a little stretch, just, like, in general. Like, I like seeing the women highlighted, and I really, we'll talk about the Fire. I literally like the way Fire structured their episode, but, yeah, I feel like it was a little much. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I was like, okay, I see what you're going for here, but you don't need a fictional holiday invented by Leslie Nope in order to appreciate the women in this universe. I mean, these women do badass heroic stuff every week, right? And like, I, the only place I really feel like it worked was on the fire one. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, I like it, and I just like you said, yeah, like I wish they would do more of it. I just feel like. It was kind of a stretch because they're like, yeah, all three focus on women. And then, like, five or meds kind of did. But also, like, why can't why can't they focus on the women any other week? You know, right. why couldn't Burgess and Upton be abducted 
any other week. Why did it have to be on Valentine's Day? Well, you could almost argue that except for the fire episode, it almost kind of backfired because, like, yeah, they, you know, they highlighted women on Ed, but, like, you know, Ava's doing some crazy shit right now. Um, Maggie, Maggie and Sharon were kind of butting heads for most of the episode. And even, like, on PD, like, Burgess and Upton, yeah, they worked together and they were being badasses, but, like, they were also butting heads. So They would be badasses any other week, too. I mean, it's not like... No, I'm just, just saying, like, oh, but, like... Valentine's Day. We should really try. They were, like, highlighting women, but they were highlighting women in not the best lights, except for the fire episode. Well, and PD. I mean, Burgess and Upton, you know, kind of saved themselves, but... They yeah. saved themselves, but they were also butting heads and, like, you know, having boy drama. Butting heads over a guy. That's what I'm saying, yeah. They were mm-hmm. failing the Bechtel test, like... You know... <laughs> So that's what I'm saying yeah. is, like, out of all the episodes, like, Fire's the only really one that showcased women in the best way and, like, in a positive way. Right. And, I mean, this is the first time they've ever taken a week to be like, we're going to focus on the women. Why did it take four, seven, and six seasons for you to do that? Well, on Fire... I was thinking, because I would see in tweets about it, like, Fires technically did, like, a road trip episode before with Gabby and Shay. They did, yeah. And that was very much similar to this. Like, Gabby and Shay got out of there. The boys were all left to, you know, Firehouse 51. They ended up being badasses wherever they were going. I don't remember where they were going. Um, but, yeah. So Fire has done it before. But PD is definitely not. And Med is definitely not. Right. I think it's because, I mean, I've got strong opinions regarding Med and PD, so maybe that's why I'm just like, meh. I mean, definitely try it again, but... I think this wouldn't have bothered me as much if they had just said fire. Or, like, they had just, like, whatever show they wanted to focus on was, like, that's the one they were highlighting. Like, I didn't think they needed to make it an all-one-Chicago thing, because I think that kind of ruined what they did do well with fire and highlighting the women on fire. Yeah. I, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. And, I mean, they're saying that they were, like, strongly, solely focused on Maggie, but really they were more focused on Will acting like an idiot. That's what I'm saying. It's, like, it was a stretch for them to include Med anyway, so just say fire, because that's the show you're really trying to highlight that's focused on women and, like, be done with it. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I know. So. Med. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Okay, so, I mean, let's just get one thing straight here. Every couple in this hospital right now is a dumpster fire. Every single one. I mean, let's put it this way. There are varying degrees. Will and Natalie, like, Natalie is not not really the problem as much as, like, Will is. Will just has his own set of issues. Connor and Ava, though, my dear, I mean, dear Lord. I'm just shaking my head and nobody can see me shaking my head, but I'm shaking my head because, I mean, nobody in that hospital is getting along right now. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny, too, because, like, Natalie's, like, trying to be nice and, like, she really has no problems with Will. She just wants Will to get help. And then Will, like, overreacts on, like, every little thing. But we'll get there. And I'm just like. Okay, yes. But at the same time, Natalie is, like, hot and cold with him. Because last week she was like, get the fuck out. We're fucking over. I fucking hate you. We're done. And this week she was like, somebody took your gun. Oh, my God. Are you okay? So she's, like, hot and cold with him. 
uh, I don't, I don't know. I think Will is definitely way more of the issue. No, absolutely. I agree with that. But Natalie, like, you know, she's mean to him one second and then she's so nice to him the next. See, I didn't really think it was her being mean to him last week. I think it was her trying to get into his head that, like, you have bigger, like, yes, this might technically be over a gun, like, that we're fighting and technically breaking up, but, like, you have bigger issues that you need to address. Like, the fact that you have PTSD and you're not seeing a therapist. Right, right. So. And, and I mean, yeah, and so, I just, we see Manstead in very different lights, which is good, though, because, like, we balance each other out. I'm over here, like, everyone sucks, and you're like, wait a second. (laughs) I think it's because, like, when I see Connor and Ava, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, that's the couple I'm just like, what is happening here? Yeah, yeah, and so I just, yeah. So, surprise, surprise, Will's gun was used in a crime. Did I not say that was going to happen, like, a week or two ago? I still just want to know, like, how someone knew that he had a gun in his car. Yes, and whoever was going for this gun or whoever was going to break into his car was only going for the gun because his laptop was still there and everything else. They were only going for the gun. Right. And they didn't, like, use a crowbar or anything, like, they got into the car however they got into it. I don't know, but, like, they got into it and that was that. Maybe he had something in the center console where you can, like, pull it out from the back and get into the trunk that way. You know how some cars have that? Yeah, or maybe he just left it unlocked. Wouldn't the, surprise the, me. The trunk? Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. No, it really wouldn't surprise me either. But I that's my, like, I just still want to know, like, who took the gun from Will's car? Right, and that's, so that's an interesting question that I have. I'm like, who, so who knew that Will had a gun? Who knew that it was in his trunk? Like, who, somebody, like, either cased him or it's somebody he knows. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, too. It was just somebody from the hospital. But then that person from the hospital took the gun and committed a crime. Or took the gun from the hospital. Someone from the hospital committed the crime by taking the gun from the car, but didn't actually commit the crime because they, like, gave it to someone they knew. I don't know. Oh, my God. What if Natalie took the gun (laughs) to be like, you asshole, I knew you were lying to me. And yeah, and then someone stole it from her. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, someone took it and I causing trouble. Hopefully we like circle back around to this whole who broke into the car thing because this is like a mystery I want to know. This is like when there's a rescue on fire and I'm like, how the hell did this happen? I want to know. Yeah, well, there's another mystery also on Med that when we get to Connor and Ava, we'll talk about because I have questions about that too. Oh, Connor and Ava. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> get there. We'll get there. So we saw Dr. Abrams in this episode, which we needed. We needed Dr. Abrams in this episode. He was the hero that we needed. He badly. really was, though. He really. What's the expression? It's like not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need or something like that. That was Abrams. No, it's the hero that we deserve. Okay, not, well, whatever. He was Not hero. all heroes wear capes. Bingo. Not all heroes wear capes. Some wear white coats. <laughs> yeah, and so... Dr. Abrams had some one-liners in this episode that were just majestic. They were beautiful, perfect, awesome one-liners that Will has needed to hear for some time. So, yeah. He had a line, because basically, I mean, this kid who was shot, he had a bullet pressing against his leg or something, or it was pressing against something that was causing his leg to go numb. Will was advocating for this surgery. Basically, whatever this family was advocating for, Will was like, no, don't do that. Do this much more risky thing so I feel less guilty is kind of the gist. 
And so I think at one point, Dr. Abrams came to Will and was like, nobody asked for your uninformed opinion. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best. Yeah. Like, wow. My favorite, though, Um, was the next one that we have listed. When he was like, why don't you go back to the ER and put a Band-Aid on someone? (laughs) I definitely laughed. I was like, yes, Abrams, that's hilarious. Yeah, I just, I love that he was just, like, unapologetically, like, didn't hold anything back because i mean he doesn't really care about will so like why does he need to be nice to will if will's being an asshole yeah. he needs to call him out on it which i feel like if you set any of the people in this fandom loose within the halls of chicago med like that's what we're going to be saying we're going to be like will get your shit together well that like, was what everybody was seeing on twitter i didn't see anyone that didn't say some variation of that so that's when you it's know true. it's bad because like usually yeah. if there's like an issue like, some people will be like, oh, well, like, I'm taking this side or I'm taking this side. And it's, like, never as, like, 100%, like, device, you know, sure of something. But this, everyone was like, yeah, Will needs to get their shit together. So, I was like, that's I when you know it's bad. I definitely had a dream the night before we recorded this episode. And I, I, I tend to have, like, really weird dreams if I'm, like, stressed out. Or, like, I have a lot of One Chicago dreams just because, like, my mind's always on the podcast, whatever. Definitely had a dream last night that I was back at my old job and Nick Gelfus stopped by and it was like totally normal normal and I was like oh my god Nick hey and the first thing out of my mouth I sat him down and I was like what the fuck is going on with Will right now like you need to go get him and like get his head straight and then of course I woke up and I was like they're the same person okay yeah that 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 wouldn't work but oh lord whatever but yeah I mean the I mean, that was one of the best one-liners. The best best was at the end when he pretty much just point blank looked at Will and said, you need to get your head out of your ass. Yep. Because that's, there's no better way to say that. It's really not. Because Will needs direct, like, needs to hear it directly. Will needs to get his head out of his ass. But then he doesn't. Yeah, it was like false hope because it seemed like he was going to and then that happened. Yeah, and then, well, and then the end of the episode happens. Yeah, yeah, like, he was, like, on the right track for a second, and he saw Connor for a minute and was like, wow, Abrams told me to get my head out of my ass, like, damn, you know. Yeah. Somebody was honest with me. Well, and then Um, he goes, and he was like, I'm gonna go talk to Natalie, like, I'm gonna, you know, apologize, this could be great, you know, all these things. And then he sees Natalie hug Philip, hug Philip. And will let his jealousy rear its ugly head. And jealousy is not a good look on Will. It's really, really not. So bad. Again, she was hugging him. That's all it was. Hugging. She barely knows the guy. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I hug people all the time. Well, and my favorite thing, though, that Will was like, is this the reason we broke up? And it's just like, no. No. No, you broke up because, yes, the gun is theoretically what broke you up, but you have PTSD and you're not handling properly. Well, yeah, Otherwise, you'd be halfway of, down the aisle right now. Yeah, like, out of all the shitty things that have gone down with the Manstead since the midseason finale, that's what he zeroes in on. Is that the reason we broke up? No, 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 no. Never mind the mobster or the time you had the gun put to your head. Or the lies. Or the lies or the time you got sequestered in Phoenix or the time that you bought a gun and then said you were going to get rid of it and then lied. 
No, that is what broke you up. Yes, well, you are absolutely 100% on the right track. Right, or no. the, or you forgot that, like, he's not doing the steps that he needs to take to get himself better. Yes. That he's been mandated to do. Yeah, and I mean, he did mention that to, was it Connor? No, he mentioned it to Natalie. He was like, I was about to come tell you that I need to take therapy seriously. Well, you can still take therapy seriously. You don't it's have just, to say you know. it out loud in order to do it. Just go do it. Right. That I understand, though. Sometimes you just got to, like, say it to yourself to be like, okay, this is happening. Like, just kind of make yourself believe right, it. Right, but he already had but... the realization. So just go do he's, it. He's so clueless, though. It's like he needs, like, multiple realizations. I don't know. But, yeah, I was just like, jealousy is not a good look on Will. Like, it, it's, it's bad. Really, it's not. It's really, really bad. Like... To the point that I just kind of want to, like, put him in timeout for an episode and be like, no, you stay in the corner, stay out of the drama for one week, pull yourself together. Yeah. Come back when you want to be nice again. Yeah. It's bad. Um, it's really bad. But on that kind of related topic, we just gotten a question from Jiffy Pop Culture who says, Natalie and Philip better slash healthier than Manstead? Definitely healthier. It's hard to say better yet because, A, they're not really a thing, and, B, Ian's only been around for two episodes and, like, barely around. Yeah, I, I feel like we don't know enough to make that call yet. Right. We don't know enough about Philip. What if he's, like, a serial killer? <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's a lot we don't know. I mean, I doubt he's going to be a serial killer. But No, I know. Yeah, so hard to say better, but definitely healthier right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, it could also be something, you know, where there's some sort of phenomenon, and I only remember this because I saw it on Royal Pains, but, uh, you know, where you basically have feelings for the person who, like, rescues you or takes care of you yeah. or something like that. Yeah, 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 So, I mean, in this case, Natalie is responsible for saving his daughter's life. Right. So, I mean, Natalie is what stands between him and losing everything. Right. No, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, right now to where we are, like, not thinking about what could happen in the future, but up until this point... Natalie and Philip's friendship, even, I mean, because it's clearly a friendship right now, is definitely healthier than the Manstead situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. not better, because we don't know anything, but definitely healthier. Right. right. So. Yeah. Oh, Manstead. It's bad. Do we talk about the next bad thing, or do we skip around? What do you want to do? So, yeah, we definitely need to tackle Connor and Ava. I'm just trying to think here with the Mansteads. I just, I mean, where is this going? Will has to hit rock bottom at some point, right? Will's going to hit rock bottom. There's definitely going to become some kind of thing between Natalie and Philip, And whether she wants it or not, I don't know. Because I could see her, like, at some point them kissing, and then Natalie's like, no, what are you doing? Like, I thought we were just friends. Uh, I could definitely see that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, and like, but and what is rock bottom after all of this stuff that Will has been through? Or I don't know, especially considering that... he can never get fired. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very, very If true. he can't get fired, then that's, I don't know. Yeah, at least he's got the job security going for him, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. That's a good point. Which is, like, really funny given the whole Maggie part of it all from this episode was that, you know, Will can never get fired. Maggie wants to do one thing and Goodwin's like, I could fire you. Yeah, we'll get there. 
we will so get there. Oh, oh, mad. <laughs> Why? Okay, is it time for Wrecker? Yeah. <laughs> You're already on it. Yeah, Wrecker let's do Nova. it. Please start us off with the Wreckers. I guess just let's just set the scene. So basically, I mean, Connor obviously was helping Will and operating. Originally, Will, the guy that was shot by Will's gun, was Connor's patient. But that's not really the Connor storyline. Connor's storyline is basically he gets a complaint from HR, or he gets told by HR that someone has made a complaint about the case that he worked in the midseason finale, which was the informant who died when Connor woke him up early in order to help rescue will so that's what's going on there so then connor and ava both have to speak to hr about you know the situation or not hr but the review board whatever right this started out and i was like "Ooh, like we're going back to that this is gonna be good and then it just took a turn yeah well my favorite thing i made a great tweet that night that didn't get as much traction as i wish it had but i was like oh yeah anonymous is spelled l-a-n-n-i-k <laughs> like lanik duh i sent that to you and i was like that's hilarious and then it wasn't lanik yeah, so i was like you. whatever but like i was like damn that's a great tweet brina <laughs> Did, i don't remember lanik knowing about that from the mid-season finale no he was there and he was okay with connor waking the guy up no I don't know if he was there in the room or whatever, but, like, he was around. He definitely knew. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I was really excited to revisit that because I remember being like, oh, my God, like, wow, that's not like Connor to go against, you know, what he knows. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we're going to revisit this. And, like, finally, it's going to happen. Shit's going to hit the fan. And then it just took a really sharp left turn. I guess the only good thing to come of this, though, was we got our first Latham sighting in, like, a long time. In a very long time. I liked how he just walked into the boardroom and there was Latham just like, hey. (laughs) Yeah, like has he been, I don't even know if he's been on this season. He might have been on early, but like he's been on in a long time. Yeah, I feel like we've only seen him maybe like once or twice so far this season. Maybe not. I don't think twice. I feel like just, well, maybe twice now with today or two, whatever, this episode. But yeah, I mean, it's always good to see Otto Essendo. Always good to see him. Yeah. Um, but that was the only good part of this because once Ava goes in, cause so they go in separately, of course, to give their statements, Ava goes first and she comes out and Connor, you know, nothing, you know, nothing, Ava, I don't know if they even technically, did, whatever Ava says is good enough for the board. And so Connor doesn't have to go in and like give a statement. So then they come out and they have a discussion and this is where it goes crazy. So this is interesting to me that they're they're just like, oh, okay, Ava already vouched for you. We don't need to hear your side. We're done. Well, because they already believed the, him. They already were on like on Connor's side or like Sharon already knew. Yeah, yeah. I think they just have to like technically go through the thing, the channels. Yeah, I just found that interesting that, like, Connor walked in and they were like, whatever, you're good. And Connor's like, but, but, no, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, but then, so when Connor comes out of his, he and Ava are having a conversation and uh, Connor's like, did you just lie? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, Ava. 
And she's like, but Connor, I did it for you. Like, I'd do anything for you. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, that I'd do anything for you was a little. Mm. Yeah. We're still um, going along with the Lifetime movie killer vibes. No, like, really. And this is why, like, so then the other mystery I was talking about that I want to know the answer to was the who made the complaint, especially if it wasn't Lannick. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Ava. Well, and that's, I mean, that gets into the last scene where Connor, Connor actually calls her out. Yeah. I I could see it being Ava. I feel like her response to that scene shows that it was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, Connor calls her out and Connor's like, I think you made the complaint so you could swoop in and fix it. And I think you need help. And... Ava's response was like, I don't need help. You need help. Which is what we saw when Dr. Charles pointed out to Elsa, like, maybe you're the lonely one. And she was like, no, no, you need help. Yeah. I I don't know how I feel about him calling her out like that and being like, I think you have a problem. Why don't you know how you feel? Like, what part do you not know how you feel about it? I think I'm not comfortable with the part that implies that she has created these fires only to put them out because what the hell are they doing with Ava if that's the case I think that's the big question that we all want to know the answer to but like I understand why that makes you uncomfortable but like to me that's what she's doing well it's not even that it makes me uncomfortable it's more so like what the fuck are you doing with this character? I'm very cursy tonight. I don't know why. Um, yeah, you're taking my role tonight. Yeah, what the hell? I don't know. I'm, I'm very, like, fired up. I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what are they? What? Where? They've got to be setting this up for her to leave, right? I mean, how? There's no way to redeem a character like that, right? I don't see how you do it. Yeah. Like, how do you redeem a character from this? I don't know. I, I, and if I don't she, know. If she is obsessed with Connor and she does stick around and like goes through therapy and whatever, isn't that just going to make it really awkward to be around her? I would, I don't want her there. Like if, if that was like, what's the point in having her around? Yeah. And this is where it gets really interesting. And I'd almost be curious to like talk to Norma about it and be like, what happens when they take your character in this direction? Like, what do you do as an actress? Do you pipe up and be like, Hey, She's looking a little unhinged, or do you just kind of go with it? Right, because it's one thing if they just say something that you don't like or whatever. Like, that's one thing, and you just obviously, like, go with it, and you know? But, like, when you can kind of tell, like, oh, shit, like, there might not be any coming back from this. Like, I mean, you can't, you're in a contract. Like, you can't really, I, I would assume you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, I mean that yeah, that's part of it. And then if Connor has if Connor has called her out but then is wrong, then he's the asshole. Yeah. So if Connor's like you slept with my dad, you have a problem, you cut yourself on purpose and all of that is wrong, he's just a jackass. I don't think he's going to be wrong though. Uh, Connor Rhodes is never wrong, Brian. No, but never. like I'm just saying that the way so Colin did an interview with one mm-hmm. Chicago Center. And, I mean, it's kind of just general about, you know, this season for Colin, or Connor, not Colin. Um, 
And, but he does talk, you know, he's asked about Ava and whatever. And the thing that we thought was most interesting was he says, you know, I do think there's a bit of a destructive pattern in their relationship. They do have an enormous amount of affection and respect for each other. But this sort of goes back to one of Connor's biggest MOs is that he really feels the need to sometimes play the hero for people, especially when he feels he's done Ava wrong. But like, okay, but the thing that I think was interesting that the, like, he's basically saying, like, we all know they're bad for each other. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad he recognizes that they're in a destructive pattern. But uh, Connor doesn't sometimes feel the need to play hero. He feels the need to play hero all the time. Yeah, for sure. But, like, I don't know. I just, like, I don't see there being any way for Ava to come back from this. Yeah, I, there's there's... There's no coming back. So what are we doing? I don't know. There was also another piece from one Chicago center that came down. And I mean, one Chicago center was kind of, they had the hot takes about these episodes, which I was very happy about because everything they were saying, I was like, yes. And so they had a piece in this one about Ava and they were just saying, you know, there's an Ava Becker sized problem on Chicago med. And they finally were able to phrase one of my issues with the whole sleeping with Cornelius, I wasn't able to like find the correct wording. And then this piece came out from one Chicago center, but basically, you know, she traded sex for money. Yeah. What does that say about a lot of things? Like that's one thing for her to willingly expose herself to HIV and get cut by that scalpel. Yeah. They're really not painting her in a good light. Yeah. Well, and the thing that I loved the most from this article was when, you know, they said they were like, if, I'll just read the whole paragraph. So they were like, if Chicago Med really wants to go full bore with this evil Ava idea, the only logical ending is for her to be written out of the show. The soul-saving grace is that the writers reveal all of her behavior was caused by some kind of actual mental health issue. But considering they kind of wrote that in the second season with Connor's last girlfriend, Robin, that would not only be a huge reach, it'd be with them repeating themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they've already done that, so. Yeah. I kind of want them to fix this. And by fix it i don't want to say that i want them to write ava out but i either want this to be like a forgotten storyline like you know how sometimes they start something and then they're like never mind there's other stuff i think they've made too much of a mess of it i literally don't think you can forget it not if ava's gonna stay on the show you're not gonna forget a character sleeping with her boyfriend's father right well and even just like all the issues like the fact that they've been hinting whether i mean i still believe that she did all these things because she wants attention from connor but like whether she did actually do them or not, like, you're not going to forget that she was accused of doing all these things. So, like, how do you go back and write them happy like nothing never happened? Exactly. Even if they do have a huge blowout and it does come to light that Ava did all these things and, you know, it's this huge thing or whatever, even if she does stay on the show after that, like, I still don't understand how they could ever be happy again. Or she could just be happy again. Right, and there's no way for them to coexist on opposite ends of the hospital without it being completely awkward. Right. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, there's just no other way to sum it up other than it's bad. And just like, in this whole age of, you know, Me Too, and we're highlighting the women, and, you know, all this other stuff, like, you really had a character exchange sex for money? For attention 
Yeah, it comes, I mean, yeah. That's problematic to me. Well, and it's not even just, like, problematic. It's just, like, a little uncomfortable, you know, like, uncomfortable. It's totally uncomfortable. Yeah. And, like, they were making progress with Ava. She was, like, they totally humanized her this season. Like, totally made her likable and then just flipped the script. You mean season three. Because she, th- I mean, yeah, this was the first episode of season four. Like, there was, yeah, n- not yes. this season. Season four has all been all down. seasons are blurring together. Yeah. It could be the wine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, all the seasons are blurring together. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I really hope this doesn't end like the end of a Lifetime movie where, like, you know, she's, like, chasing him up to the roof with a knife or something and it's like, oh, just love me. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they would go that far. I hope not. I hope not. I really, really hope not. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even, I'm trying to think if I have any other, like, last notes on Connor and Avon. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll obviously just keep going because, like, Clearly from those episode descriptions, like, Ava and Connor still have problems in 16, which is two episodes from now. So, like, this isn't getting better. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I'm sure we will come back to this. Oof. Will you take us through Maggie and Sharon? Yeah. So, Maggie and Sharon, the thing was, I don't know, the whole thing was interesting. So, basically... Sydney from, was that last week? Yeah, Sydney. Yes. So Sydney. Which is like not last week, but the week before for when you're listening to this. Oh, last episode. Last episode. Yes. <laughs> That's what I meant. But so Sydney comes back in and she's worse. Um, and basically they, you know, determine that she's going to need the new kidney. And so Maggie then gets this idea that she wants to be the one to do it because it's her way you know, she can only do so much to help all the patients that come through the hospital and come through the ED, but this is something she can actually do to help them. So Maggie gets it in her head that she's going to give her kidney to Sydney. And Sharon's like, uh-uh, no, you can't do that. Like, even though the episode ends with Sharon being supportive, I was like, what the fuck? Like... When she started telling Maggie she couldn't do it because she, like, could potentially get fired, I was just like, what? Yeah, that was petty. Right. Well, like, I understand that it was, like, technically coming from a good place. Like, I get that. But, like, also just, like, you could have done this better. A lot better. You could have gotten your approach off, like, so much better. I feel like Goodwin might not be a very good leader. Because... She's always, like, Manstead has, like, all of the leeway. She's, like, you know, all of the leeway, like, just short of murdering a patient. So they're, like, oh, you wanted to do something illegal? Go right ahead. I'm going to turn my back. The minute Maggie puts, like, one pinky out of line, Goodwin's, like, oh, hell no. I think. I think because. And I'm not saying what Goodwin did was right or Goodwin's approach was right. But, like, when it comes to Manstead, yes, I I mean, obviously she should have taken a lot more action towards Manstead a lot of times. But, like, what Manstead did was technically, like, putting the hospital at risk and, like, 
it wasn't like they were hurting themselves. I mean, they were hurting their careers, but like they weren't doing something that could actually hurt themselves. Like Maggie, while yes, for the most part, you know, healthy humans who do donate kidneys, like usually are okay with just the one. Like Goodwin's worried because she's worried about like potential complications and like what happens if Maggie's kidney then dies and she only has the one. Well, she yeah, she's worried about her friend. Right. And then when she's trying to like, when she technically should be punishing Will and Natalie, that's the word I was looking for. Like, <laughs> it's like not coming from like, punish- it's not like her looking out for friends. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Does she even know that April and Ethan were dating or now not? Like, does she even know about that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because like Maggie is the one that babysits Chexton, but I mean, semantics. Yeah. No, in this case, like Sharon was definitely worried about her friend. And so that got involved. Like emotions got involved. It's so crazy, though. But you know what I kind of found crazier, though? And someone on Twitter explained it to me and I'll read what they said. But like when they were first talking about the fact that Sydney was going to be discriminated against because of her occupation, I was like, what? I was like, that's crazy. But then this chair on Twitter was telling me it's just because like. I don't, she's a stripper or a prostitute. She's a sex worker. Yeah. yeah. So her lifestyle puts like what puts her at risk for contracting all kinds of infections. And obviously that means it can endanger a good organ. Um, and then you have to be able to prove you can take care of a new organ because once it's damaged, it's useless. And that organ could have gone to someone who would have taken care of it. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. But when I yeah. first heard that, I never like, they're not going to give her a new kidney because she's a sex worker. I was like, wait, what? Like, they can discriminate you against yeah, yeah. your occupation. I mean, I still, like, I get the point of it now that Cher explained it to me, but I still was like, wait, what? Huh? I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's one of those medical things where, you know, you could discuss it until you're blue in the face about, you know, whether it's right, ethical, whatever. But, well, you know. and then JP Pop Culture asks us a question, not necessarily about this, but, like, did Maggie do the right thing or was it an ethical lapse? Not Sharon, but Maggie. I that I don't think there's a black and white on that. I think that's a gray area. But here's the thing, like, I mean, I definitely agree. I think it's a gray area, but I think what brings up the point and like where you can argue this question is just, you know, Maggie said, she, like, I feel like it would have almost been. I mean, granted, Sydney was technically a friend of a friend, and like Maggie knew her, but like. Mm-hmm. Maggie said she wanted to do it because she always sees patients who need help. So, like, would Maggie have done it for a random patient if this had just not been someone she didn't know? And that just got... Probably not. Well, so then, was it an ethical lapse? Like, if you're only doing it because you know the person. I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I think it's definitely a gray area. Like, I don't know if there was really the right thing or if it was, you know, wrong. But, like, I think – and I think that's why you would argue it's a gray area. But, like, certainly her knowing Sydney makes it, you know, complicates things. Yeah. I wonder if her knowing Sydney kind of canceled out the ethical lapse because then it was just your average run-of-the-mill targeted donation. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I on, – Again, I know nothing about the medical field. I do, but not about this. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. So I know it ended with them wheeling her in. I don't know if I like, oh, my TV was acting up. That's what was happening. This is what happens when you get your TV through the internet. 
Did she end up donating the kidney? Yeah, so she's, like, being wheeled off, and Sharon goes and holds her hand as she's, like, going off. And that's, like, what, that's the last you see of it. So I'm assuming everything went okay and, you know, whatever. But, like, that's the last you see of that storyline. We will find out in two days. So that's what I'm day. saying is, like, Sharon, it ends, even though the episode ends with Sharon being supportive, I was like, what? When it started. So, yeah. Okay. I, I think Maggie saw the opportunity to do the right thing because she was like, oh, I know this person. I can actually make a difference this time. Yeah. No, I think that's what it was. It just brings up, you know, questions of, like, because she's a nurse, like, does that complicate anything? And mm-hmm. or and not even just a nurse, but, like, a nurse at the hospital where this is all going down, you know, like, right. and Cindy's nurse, like, I don't know. So. But that's it for the Maggie stuff. The last little bit we have is Dr. Charles, who, uh, surprise, surprise, is back on the dating scene. Yeah. Do we like Dr. Charles on the dating scene? I like it. I mean, I... It was one of those things, like, when they found the daughter in the hallway, it was one of those things where I was like, can he live? Can he go on one date without having a medical emergency? Like, Well, then she, like, escapes for good, and it's just like, what the fuck happened? Like... Yeah. I was just like, okay. That's... What the fuck happened to Brit? But... I don't know. I think the only thing I'll say about the di- dating scene, I mean, there's not, like, a ton about to say about the Dr. Charles stuff, because, like, there was no conclusion to it, really. Um, is this is, like, assuming his ex, you know, with his ex-wife coming back, like, I'm assuming that's gonna fuck up all of Dr. Charles, like, built-up confidence from recent weeks. It's possible. like, he's, you know, the episode descriptions were saying, he's like, he doesn't really know how he feels about this news and whatever. Like, Come on. Dr. Charles has all this confidence and he's now going on dates and then, like, his ex-wife comes back and is just, like, fucking shit up. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, he seemed happy on the dating scene, so I'm sure his ex-wife is just going to come and destroy everything. I'm saying. So. Um, When I was watching the episode, so obviously my mom watches and she'll message me throughout. And so when Britt started seizing or something at one point, my mom just texted me and she was like, OMG, like, what happened? And I was like, Mom, the thing you need to know about this show is everybody lies. Everybody lies, including the patients. So she definitely had drugs in her system. Oh, yeah, for sure. I saw that coming from a mile away. When they were like, as long as she doesn't have drugs in her system, this can stop her. I was like, oh, she's definitely going to have drugs in her system. Definitely going to have drugs in her system. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's just like how uh, when I read the the news earlier that they cast Price's daughter, my first thought was like, well, she's going to die. So, you know, you just, there are patterns. Yeah. But, no. Which she may not. Brianna Woods lived. But yes, you know. Somehow. Somehow. Still don't know how that happened. Uh, Yeah. So, any last notes on med? No, I think that's it. It's just really, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, I'm watching Gymnastics and a Gymnast just landed on her head. Yeah, I know, I can tell you're watching. Sorry, we'll have to edit that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it's just really bad on med right now. Everybody's really angry at each other. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily, like, angry at each other. It's just a lot of toxic tension. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, I guess they're all a little angry at each other, but it's not like they're having, like, full-blown out, like, I hate you, I hate you. It's just, like, everything's building up, and it's just toxic tension, man. Yeah, it's it's really toxic. It's, like, it's like a toxic work environment right now, like, for everybody in that hospital. Oh, it's bad. 
yeah yeah it's really bad so that is med we're hoping things will get better because med does not seem like a very good place to work right now yeah and yeah so on to fire shall we yes Bryna, please start us off so let's start off with the ladies because i the one thing i did i don't I loved how this was mainly a lady-centric episode with, like, the guys sprinkled in. And, like, the guys, it wasn't just, like, you know, the Otis and the Mouch and whatever that had, like, the B storyline that was funny. It was, like, all the guys had the B storyline that was funny. And, like, you didn't see a ton of it, but I liked what we saw. Which is why I just, I really love the way this episode was structured. Yeah, very much so. It was very, very good. And I like that the boys were the comedy runner and that they were solely the comedy runner. Like, they didn't deviate. They didn't go on any calls. Like, they were solely the B story. Right. And it just, it worked very well. Yeah, It worked really well. Though I do really love well. how the ladies, like, the whole episode started, especially the lady scene. Like, I love how it started at Walmart. I don't know why I thought that was funny, but, like, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I was like, promo. And they order their groceries online. Yeah, I thought it was funny. My mom does that from Walmart all the time. My, I can't tell you the last time my mom went grocery shopping. Yeah, my apartment actually offers like a grocery delivery service. Yeah. And I've only used it once so far. It's like super convenient though because like I hate going to the store. Millennial problems. Um, but I've only used it once and it was when I was sick. So ha, it was okay. No, my um, mom does it like yeah. every week. She said it's the best money she's ever spent. Because she literally, she's like, she tells me all the time, she's like, I don't even have to get out of the car. She's like, they literally, like, you pull up, they, like, I guess have your license number, like, plate number or whatever, and, like, come out to your car. And my mom, because she can, like, open the trunk from her, like, inside, like, from the driver's seat. So she literally just opens the trunk and they put it all in. She said it's the best money she's ever spent. It's really, really great. Yeah, I, I, I quite love it. When I was sick, it was super handy because, like, my head just felt like it was going to explode. And, like, being in the apartment and just laying around and then having my food delivered was, like, perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, it's super, super handy. So if you haven't taken advantage of that yet, please do. Just do it. Just – it's great. Yeah. Um, but so let's get into, I guess, the ladies, like, actual thing. Um, I mean, I loved how you texted me when we were watching the episode and you were like, I can't believe the girls just pulled over for a creepy dude with a broken down trailer. Like, this is the beginning of every horror movie that I know. Yes. I mean, I was really surprised. I thought that they were just going to come up on the accident. Right. But they pulled over for a creepy dude who could have been a psycho killer with a broken down trailer. And then the accident happened. And then it happened, yes. And since this episode is aired, Derek did post the last page of the script on Twitter, uh, which is did? like my favorite thing in the world. He did, yes. It. Yes. It's my favorite, favorite thing in the world. Uh, and we'll, I'll circle back to why, you know, he made that point. But yeah, I was just like, this is how, really, really, like, he could have been a psycho. Yeah. I mean, I, we don't need to get into like the nitty gritty of like the actual call and like what happened. But like, I think there's a couple things. So like, one, I, I was just super impressed at Brett and Foster's ability to think on their feet and, like, come up with innovative ways to use the hockey gear in lieu of medical equipment, like, like yes. immediately. Like, that was, yeah. I was like, hell yeah. Like, badass ladies doing badass things. 
absolutely badass. And I mean, they never hesitated, not even for a second. Like if something would happen, Brett would immediately be like, okay, I need something like hard and strong to split his leg. Like this, that, the other. She, they were just, they never missed a beat. Yeah, it was just, it was so good. And I also just loved seeing Sylvie on the tractor too. And she's like, yeah, I know how to work this thing. Like I was just like, hell yes, Sylvie. Of course you do. Hell yeah. It was just, that was like my favorite part. I loved it so much. So good i think the only part of them like improving and being like i need this i need that the only part that i was like okay really that's a bit of a stretch was when jacob collapsed and then brett was like who has an EpiPen?" i was like wait I mean, that's a little too perfect but i get it people have allergies yeah so of course they're gonna carry one with them but yeah i mean they were super great about it did you read our friend ashley from telltale she did a review of this episode did you did you read it by chance? i have not gotten a chance to read it yet no something she pointed out in this episode is that these women took charge in a group of men and they were never questioned once. I mean, like their authority, they, they were, their authority was never challenged. Everybody cooperated. Gender had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. Like I would have, I feel like in those moments though, like I wouldn't have, I mean, again, I'm not a male. I couldn't have spoke for it, but like, I feel like if I were in those guys' situations and like these ladies said they were paramedics and they were clearly being able to like help my friends, like I wouldn't have necessarily questioned them either. Like I would have just been like, yeah, all hands on deck. But yeah, it is a good, sure. I mean, it is a good point. I just like, that wouldn't have been my first thought either. Yeah. And so, I mean, I originally, they were like trying to show that something was up with the coach. And so I thought it was going to be way more scandalous than it ended up being. So that was good. What did you think it was going to be? Well, because you remember how, you know, he was like, nobody thought we could win. And that student was like, yeah, not even you. And they were kind of taking cheap shots at him. I was like, is he, is he like abusing the kids? Like, what, what is he doing? I thought like it was like something super scandalous. And then it was not that he was just quitting. Yeah. So, you know, these shows teach you to like assume the worst, you know? Yeah. So I was, when I was texting you with you about this episode, I don't remember what prompted me to tell you that I, like the only car crashes I've ever been in my life were actually bus crashes. Oh, I think because I was telling you, I was, like, kind of a little ptsd e for me to, like, watch this. I don't remember yeah. exactly what prompted it. I'm trying to see if I could find it in my... I don't know. You just said something that it was, like, oh, crap, it's a bus I th- crash. Yeah, I was, like, oh, man, it's a school bus that just crashed, like, giving me PTSD to the two crashes I've been involved in were being bus crashes. And I told you, I tell you the stories on the pod. Yeah, and this is something that, like, okay, granted, I mean, I feel like we've known each other for a million years. We've really only known each other for, like, two years, which is just bananas to me. But every now and then, like, little bits of information about each other will come out that we're just like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so this was one of those. You were like, yeah, I've only ever been in bus crashes anyway. And I was like, no, not anyway. What? Like, go yeah, back. Like, yeah, like, school bus crashes. Not even, although there's, mm, that's a different story. That has nothing to do with this. Um, but, yeah, so I'll start with the less crazy one first. So the second one that ever happened was my first week of junior year of high school. And because I rode a bus my whole life, like from kindergarten until I could drive. Well, I didn't drive. My brother drove. So like literally till my senior year. So my whole life, I drove a school bus or rode a school bus. And so my first week of junior year, the third day, I will never forget. I will never forget that first week of junior year because my first day of junior year was the earthquake in Virginia yeah, the one that cracked the Washington Monument and it hasn't really ever been open since. Was that the one where that meme came out of like the chair overturned and it was like, we will we will rebuild or something like that? I don't know if that's where that meme came from, but like, 
yeah, there was an earthquake in Virginia in 2011. And so it was my first day of junior year and we missed two out the last two hours of school because we weren't allowed to go back in the building. Anyway, so this is the third day of junior year and we go, we're, we were like seven minutes away from school too. Like we were like super close and we were getting ready. So the last part of school is like on this back road and you make like a left-hand turn onto this back road from the highway. And so we're literally getting, we're in the left-hand lane because we're getting ready to pull into the, like the left turning lane to like go turn on this road. And the woman, it was a woman in a minivan and she thought she could make it like all the way across from the other side without like stopping in the median like she was supposed to. And so she went all the way over and like thought she was going to make it in front of the bus and like didn't. And luckily no one else was in the car because like if there had been passengers on the passenger side, like it would not have been good. But luckily no one was and everyone was fine. But that was my third day of junior year. And we were like an hour, I was like an hour and a half late to school too. It was like crazy. So she just like sideswiped the bus? Well, the bus ended up sideswiping her. Okay. So like if this is the bus, I'm like doing this demonstration. No one else is going to be able to see it. But like if this is her going across so that she can go turn, the bus is coming at 60 miles an hour and like won't be able to stop because we're not supposed to stop. She should have stopped in the median, but she Uh didn't. And so she's trying to turn this way, like going the same way we are. And she, we ended up hitting her, like T-bowing her. I was going to say, if, I mean, if it's car versus bus, clearly the bus is bigger. So like, but you probably still felt that impact. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it wasn't that bad. Like I didn't feel like whiplash or anything. It was just like, it was just one of those things where then like, of course the bus driver has to go and like, I obviously first check on her. She was fine. She was like walking around after that. But then, like, you have a bus full of kids, and so the little kids don't going on, don't know what's going on. So, and of course, like at that point, I was in junior year, so I was like one of the oldest kids on the bus. So, like, you have to go calm all the little kids down, and then they have to call the school, and then they still like, even though they call the school, we weren't that far from the school. You know, it still takes a minute for them to get a new bus out there, and then you have to wait for the police to show. It was just like a whole thing. I was just like, come on, third day of junior year. The fact. That you even have a second one to top this with. Oh, the second scary. one's worse too. So I was young. I was in fourth grade when this one happened. I was going to say, was this your fourth day of junior year? <laughs> no, that first week of junior year, man, though, that was crazy. Anyway, no, this was, I was in fourth grade and we were on our way home from school and the road that our school was on was not the best road. It was like very much like a lot of, it had a lot of um, like debt blind spots and like hills and curves and like up until like after I graduated like they didn't have speed limits on the road like so you would like people would go flying down like 80 miles an hour down this road like almost like it was a roller coaster it was crazy so there was this one spot in the road where there's like this huge ditch but it's like of course has like a blind spot like right around it too so you have to be really careful well we had this crazy bus driver and she, I mean, she had had, like, issues with, like, driving bus. She had gotten in bus accidents before. So why the school still had her on, I don't know. I guess they hadn't been as bad accidents. Anyway, so we're going around this curve, and she was too far over. Because it's, like, probably a road that honestly should be, like, a one-person road. But, like, they expect two people to be able to, like, pass and be fine. And so she's like too far over like in the center of the road and so the other car comes around and ends up I don't know if she technically swerved off or we swerved her off 
but like she goes flip over into the ditch what yeah like flipped over into the ditch she was like hurt like bad and so of course we stopped and our bus driver was so she like got out and checked on the lady and they called 911 but she was so mean about it she like I mean I was in fourth grade so like I wasn't in fourth one of those fourth graders that had like cell phones but there were high school kids and stuff that like still had cell phones back then you know had cell phones back then and but she didn't let she like like took some of their cell phones she didn't want any of us calling our parents she didn't want anyone like she called the school but like she didn't want any of us like saying bad things to her like about her to like our parents or whatever which of course we were going to when we got home but like she just like didn't want anybody saying anything she like wanted to handle the narrative and so but like of course that was a lie and like people like started you know texting like the kids that didn't get their phones taken away like called their parents and like my mom just ended up I remember figuring it out because like we were so late coming home from like school and she was like what the fuck um and so she was just like oh well I'm gonna start driving that way and like if I see them then I see them and you know it was just like it was crazy I remember I started even crying because like I felt so bad for this lady who's literally upside down in her car and this bus driver was being like such an asshole about it she never drove a bus after that again but like yeah gee i wonder why it was she still worked in the lunchroom though um good lord it was crazy but yeah those are the only two accidents i've ever knock on wood those are the only two accidents i've never been ever been in, in my life so whenever i see like a bus crash like on the news or something i always have like a little bit of ptsd especially from the first one not as much the second accident but the first accident I'd be crying in that accident as an adult in my early 30s, never mind a fourth grader. Oh, yeah. And then I remember it was like, so that night was like our Halloween carnival at school. And like we still went mm -hmm. or whatever. But like I remember going to school the next day and it was like all the gossip. <laughs> Even in like fourth grade, like everybody knew about it. And so, like, everyone, like, I remember, like, sitting in gym class and everyone's like, Bryna, what happened? And I was like, well, guys, this is what happened. And, like, told the whole story. But, yeah, it was crazy. That's scary. It was really scary. But I Yikes. still rode a bus for however many years after that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. I'll tell you another bus-related story later, but it's not a school bus, so it doesn't really fit into this. I feel like you and buses might be like Connor and Ava. It might just be a bad mix. Uh, yeah. Have you ever considered that? I mean, you tried, like, my parents weren't going to drive me 45 minutes to school every day. What do you do in D.C.? I know you take, I know you take buses because we took a bus out to Georgetown when I visited you. Yeah. But. No, I mean, now I'm fine. Oh, no big deal. I've also been in. <laughs> Eh, we won't go there. There's a lot of things I can tell. <laughs> I feel like you're full of secrets tonight. Like <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I was going to say, like, I was going to say, no, I've never been in a bus accident here in D.C., but that's not true. I've definitely been on a bus that sideswiped a mirror once on a park. <laughs> okay, okay, sideswiped a mirror. Like, okay. Yeah, but, like, still, we had to stop and, like, get off the bus. Like, we couldn't keep going after that, and I was pissed. So I just wanted well, to go at home. Least it was a mirror and not like a car that, you know, flipped into a ditch. Yeah, no. That was still the worst. Again, like the only two accidents I've ever, I've never been in a car accident ever. 
and I've been it, but I've been in two bus accidents. Jeez. Yeah. Goodness. Like, I know after my car accident that I had last January, which was not my fault, I stand by that, um, I did not get on that highway for, like, months. Yeah. It took me a little bit before I got on the highway. Well, and it's crazy because that's the only real road, like, coming from where I live at home that, like, you can take to school. Like, there is no other – I mean, there is alternative routes, but, like, it adds, like, 20 or 30 – like, 20 minutes or so. Like, so no one would ever take it. So even, like, senior year, like, eight years later, I still – like, if I ever drive by that ditch, like, I still think about it. I mean, there are days, obviously, I don't think about it, but there are a lot of days I do think about it. God, ooh. There was a video that popped up on social media today being Friday. Um, Apparently, Kansas City is getting a lot of snow right now, and this guy who was driving a truck or something, he, like, filmed this pileup on one of the highways, and it's, like, terrifying to watch. One of my friends posted it, and you just see the cars, like, driving along, and they all just crash into each other, and so, like, ooh. Yeah, it's just, yeah. But so when I, like, again, when I saw that, I was like, oh, man. Because yeah. it just, all, yeah. you know, like it, like I said, it just always makes me think of my own life. Ugh. Yep. If only Sylvie and Emily had been there. I know, man. They could have told bus driver lady to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So I don't, did we ever find out what happened to cause this bus accident? Like, wasn't the coach driving and he was sitting, he was going too fast or something? Yeah, and I think it was just, you know, like, dark out and foggy and snowy or whatever, and yeah. Something like yeah. that. Mm, crazy. But yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, Brett and Emily worked so well together and just, like, they didn't miss a beat and, you know, yeah. I didn't really like how Stella was only there for, like, a scene. A lot of people said that. Yeah, like... Stella's whole role this entire episode was, like, going around Chicago running errands, which was, like, that's, why, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the point of that was. Yeah. Why couldn't she have been there from the beginning? And I get they wanted to let the medic shine, but, you know, Stella's kind of an honorary medic. She fills in when one of them is not there. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it was just, like, I don't know. They needed some kind of, like, Because, like, what happens then if Stella doesn't come at the end and, like, save them, quote-unquote? You know, like, like, what happens? Like, I guess the guys technically brought the ambulances, but, like, still. They They needed Stella to be driving separately because they needed her car to pull the... To pull the bus and get the EpiPen. Yeah. So, like, they need it. Like, I understand, like, yeah, it's frustrating, but, like, I, like... Their story technically doesn't work without someone coming late. That's true. true. And it just kind of makes more sense for, like, Stella has the reasons to stay behind, whereas, like, Emily doesn't and Brett doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, like, I understand, like, I kind of thought it was weird, too, like, everyone else. But, like, I understand why. Like, their story falls apart without it. Yeah. I like how the trailer couldn't lift up the bus, but Stella's Jeep could. Wait, say that again? So the trailer, like Sylvie tried to use the trailer to get the bus the tractor. Like, lifted. So the, the, did I say trailer? Yeah. Tractor. That's why I was like, what did you, wait, huh? Say that again? Yeah, the tractor. Um, yeah, she couldn't use the tractor to lift the bus off the ground, but Stella's Jeep worked just fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, I so, said, I mean, 
It ended, it ended well, yeah. And so, I mean, and, like, you you learned some about the boys, like, throughout the episode. So by the time Jacob clacks died, I was like, not him. Not Jacob. Yeah. But we did get a question from Allison G. And she said, how do you think this episode compared to the other episodes where fire characters have, gone, have had to MacGyver their way out of emergency situations, went off shift? Brent and Foster came up with awesome creative solutions, but I wish we had gotten to see Kid do more than just show up right at the end. Yeah, how does this rank? Okay, so I think Severides is still my favorite. Yeah, Severides is just iconic. Yeah, and then I would say Dawson's and then Case. No, not Casey's. Hold on. I would say Severide and then Dawson's and then this one and then Casey's. What are you saying? Like Dawson's parking lot? Yeah. Or no, maybe I would rank this one above Dawson's. I'd rank this. I didn't like Dawson's as much, but I also just, again, wasn't as much of a Dawson fan. So I'd probably rank Dawson's last. <laughs> but I just really liked that cute Dawson moment at the end. <laughs> back when we had cute Dawson moments. Yeah. Before she left him and broke his heart and then divorced him to go to Puerto Rico. And Casey's, we're talking about the the toxic Casey, spill. Casey and the chemical yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go Severides, this one, Casey, Dawson. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. So I would do Severides then this one and then Dawson, Casey. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. But I, I mean, yeah, so I think I liked it. I, li- I liked it. I mean, they were obviously like I can nitpick anything, but like I liked this one for the most part. I was definitely engaged like this whole episode. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I, like, I don't really have anything like, eloquent to say other than like, yes, definitely engaged. Not as stressed out as I was for PD, but we'll get there. Yeah, um, we can just I mean, there's not yeah. a ton of things to say about the guys part, but like we can just run. I'll just run through some of the comments. Um, I mean, I love the fact that like. Otis said something. He's like, oh, yeah, I made us double date reservations. And Joe's like, yes. And I was just like, this double date is what we deserve. And I know we'll never see it. But, like, that's what we deserve. But I want to see it. I know. Like, give me that deleted scene, please. Give give me that fan fiction if we're not going to see the scene. Give me the fan fiction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think somebody had tweeted back and was like, well, what about Sylvia and the chaplain? I'm like, no, you can't turn this into a triple date. It's got to just be Crotus and their girls. Yes. Also... Oxtails and chili. Yeah, that's apparently a thing. Have you ever had oxtail? No. Neither. I was just curious. No. And I think Joe Minoso had tweeted after the episode that that's, that is a thing, oxtail, and it's got a name in Spanish, and he said they're actually really delicious. Yeah, I saw that. But very interesting. Yeah. I, I also just really loved seeing Casey and Seb, like, sneaking in their injury. Like, I just, I love them so much. I love how they can totally be, like, domestic when they need to be. And they can really just, like, yeah. They were just outside cooking chili. Like, what? This is what bros do. They're so bro this season. Like, this half of the season especially. So I love it. Bro-y. Yes. It's the best. Yeah. yeah. It's the best. I loved that Ritter was on a team with Tuesday. Yeah. That was great. And Tuesday was just perched up on the counter like, what? I'm here. I'm a legitimate teammate. Yeah. I also just, I mean, yes, Macaulay is, like, really annoying. But, like, I love always love an appearance from Macaulay and the Sonic guy, whose name I forget. The Sonic guy. Ogle yeah. is his character's name. Um, but yeah, no, he's the Sonic guy to me, too. Yeah. But I you gotta love an appearance from Macaulay and Sonic guy. I was kind of hoping to be... I always sh- I was kind of hoping to be Chout, though. Like, you gotta bring back Macaulay and Chout. Like, those like the classic ones, but I'll take Macaulay yeah. and Ogle. I love a good callback. I do, too. Um, 
And then we asked him, G also asked a question, is this the first episode we've seen where 51 did not go on any calls? I think it might be. I was trying to think about it. But, like, I don't know. I'd really have to go I back and, like, be. read episode descriptions to, like, figure it out. I feel like there's got to have well, been okay, one wait. beforehand. Um... The Dawson one where she's stuck in the emergency. I don't think they go on any calls because they're watching the garage. They're watching the garage thing. They don't go out to, until the end to go get her. Well, we probably count that as a call. Yeah. I mean, this there was literally no calls. Because yeah. like the first episode that comes to my head, there like I was like, oh, there's no calls in that one, but then there are calls in that one, which is the one which one where like this it's like a really bad ice storm, and so like all the power in like their district goes out, and like. They have tons of people come and, like, stay at the firehouse or whatever. Oh, I do. Yeah, I remember like, Mil- that one. Like, this um, is, like, season three or two. Like, Mills is still there. Like, this is, like, way back in the day. Actually, it must be season and those two. those guys had beef with Severide and then ended up kidnapping Katie. Yeah, because, like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is season two. Because, yeah, Katie gets kidnapped and Shay, I think, is Shay's still there. So, like, yeah. But that's the, that's the one that first one that comes to my head. But, like. There's a, definitely calls in that. They still go out. I think there's a call at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, this might be the first one. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but. I like it, though. Yeah. It's, it's like, not not something I'd want to see, like, all the time. Even though, I mean, I, I'm fine if they don't go on calls. But, like, it's a nice breath of fresh air when they, like, for them not to. Yeah, it was a really nice change of pace. Yeah, for sure. Although, now that I think about it, I mean, granted, Bowden had separated them, but, like, to cook in the hallway, that's got to be really hard. Yeah, but, I mean, if you take a slow cooker, all you need's a plug. Power outlet. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I thought it was funny. It was really good. Yeah, it was good. Savasi cooking chili. So good. You know what else I thought was really funny? So somebody tweeted in the middle of the episode. They like this is when the episode had first started. Like they hadn't even gotten to the end, and somebody was like, "So Derek, like which which team is cooking your famous Texas chili?" And Derek replied, and he was like, "Team four. And we were all just like, "Team four, okay, whatever. And then at the end, it was Team Four that ended up winning. We're like, "Oh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, good one. That's funny. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good episode of Fire. I liked it, and I mean, yeah, Brent and Foster and Stella saved the day, and. Yeah. So the reason why they had the whole thing with the trailer first off before, like, just cutting to the chase with the bus. So Derek posted the last page of the script, which, again, Gina loves. Um, It's, like, my favorite thing in the world. And so he had actually had notes jotted down. And so one of the notes he jotted down towards the end when Foster was like, you know, we were there for a reason is that he made the he wanted to make a point in there that said, you know, when an emergency happens, the universe makes sure that, you know, these people are on hand to help. And so that's kind of what he they were trying to show was that, you know, when something happens, like, they're always there. Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because, I mean, there's a moment where Brett was like, you know, if, or not Brett, Foster is like, you know, at first I thought it was just like a right place, right time. But then I realized, like, we were there for a reason. And so, and he, there's something in the notes that says, you know, like, was this divine intervention? So... It's an interesting choice. I like that's why I love seeing it on the pages. I love seeing the like the 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 inner workings. Yeah, for sure. So I thought that was really cool, but that's because I'm a nerd and I love scripts. Can't write one for the life of me, but I love them. So you'll you know. get there one day. One day. One day. Maybe if they add another like 15 hours to a day, 
Um, yeah. Any other notes about fire? No, I think that's it. Okay. So, stretch, like, you know, take a breath, take a drink, because we yelled about med, we took a nice little break for fire, now we gotta yell about PD. I think you really, I mean, I I have some issues with PD, but, like, you really want to yell about it, so I'll just let you lead. I really didn't like this episode. Why, Gina? Start off there. For so many reasons. So many reasons. First off, it was stressful as hell. Like, really stressful. Yeah. Like, in the middle of this episode, like, like, and, you know, I, I deal with anxiety from time to time, but, like, my heart was, like, racing in the middle of this episode, and I was like, you know, like, I know I ate something a little salty, but, like, I don't think that's it, blah, blah. The minute the episode was over, I was like, I feel calm. I'm good. Yeah. Like. I feel like this yeah. is the first episode in a while, or maybe, honestly, even ever, where I actually, like, looked away at parts, because I, like, didn't want to watch what was happening. Yeah, and I got to a point with this episode where I was, like, looking at the clock. I'm like, I just need it to be, like, 10 to 10. We need to resolve this. Like, let's just get to the end. Yeah. That was crazy. So, yeah. The, I mean, and that's not, like, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, oh, I hated it. It was so dramatic. No, that's not why. I didn't like it because of multiple reasons. Mostly having to do with Berzik and Upsik. So, you know. Okay, so let's start off with Haley. Frankly, and I'm just going to say this nice and honestly, She's a hypocrite. Elaborate. I want you to say why you think she's a hypocrite. I mean, I agree with you, but I... Go ahead. Okay. So the first one is kind of little, but, you know, Burgess tries to make a move at the beginning, and Upton's like, no, we're going to sit and wait for the team. Burgess is taken out by the perp or whatever, and Upton goes rogue and gets the shit beat out of her. You saw the moment? You took it while you were alone? Okay. Yep. Not that I'm going to sit here and, like, chastise her and be like, how dare you actually try to save yourself? Like, how, you know, it's more so that, like, you told Kim one thing and then you went and did the opposite. What the hell? So she pulled rank on Kim at one point, which is not hypocritical. It's just kind of irritating. Like, I've been okay with it in the past when she's pulled rank. This time I was like, stop. Like, stop. You know how on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend there's a point in, like, maybe season two where Rebecca keeps mentioning that she went to Harvard and Josh is like, wow, you really say that a lot. Yeah. I feel like Haley pulling rank is the PD version of that. Yeah. Which, like, I get it. You earned it. Flaunt it. I get it. Totally cool. But, like, time and place. I don't know. But the biggest reason why I'm like Haley is a hypocrite was the very last scene. The very last scene. Okay. So, I mean, and we're going to circle back to all the other stuff. But the very last scene, she's having whiskey with Burgess talking about the whole Ruzik thing. And her explanation for not telling Burgess about them is absolute bullshit. Because she's like, oh, the whole gist of it is that she keeps her private life private. No, you don't. Haley, that's wrong because, like, I could point out so many instances from this season where I'm like, this is not keeping your private life private. The first one being when she walked into Voight's office to plead with him about Ruzik taking the fall for Antonio. Yeah. It's not very private when your boss knows. Right. So that's one. Remember how Jay found out about them when they were arguing in the district and Jay came down and was like, I could hear you guys in the stairwell. Yeah. Again, not very private. I don't imagine somebody wanting to keep their private life private and then 
having their boss and their partner know about the relationship in like one episode. Yeah. So that's another reason. Also, guys have no girl code. Guys have the bro code, but it doesn't apply the same way the girl code does, okay? So if you want to keep your personal life private, too bad it's done. Kevin knows, okay? Just trust me, Kevin knows. Yeah. Ruzik probably was texting him the night they first hooked up. And if it wasn't that night, it was probably the next day that he was like, guess what? Yeah, they're too close for him not to know. Exactly. They're way too close. So really the only people in this unit who don't know about Upsick at this point is just Antonio. Yeah, and does Antonio really need to know? I don't think Antonio really yeah. cares. Yeah, Antonio's got bigger issues going on. Yeah, way bigger, way bigger. Also, also, basically she just tells this whole story about how she was dating her superior and she got meritoriously promoted, but everybody thought it was because of her boyfriend. Okay, first of all, or first of all, speaking, it's hard, I'm tired. Um, first of all, you got meritoriously promoted. It was your coworkers talking behind your back. Why do you care what they think? Because when this happened, she was probably in her 20s and didn't know any better. That's true. That's true. That's true. But also, this is completely opposite. Okay, she outranks him in this situation. She outranks him. So he has zero input on whether she gets promoted. So this is not the same situation at all. Right. And what is she going to get promoted to? Exactly. Exactly. Like, are you really looking to get out of the unit already? Right. Like, he is the only one that could get promoted in, right now at this point. Yes. Which brings up another question that somebody had mentioned throughout the episode. Like, when are we going to get movement on that with, like, Berzik and Atwater? Like, they, one of them needs to become a detective at this point, if not all. Yeah. Probably never going to. Well, I won't say never, but, you know. I just, I, and again, I mean, I'm always the one who's like, you know, I like Haley. She's part of the team now. Accept it. You know, but this episode, I was just like, you are so full of shit right now, Haley. Like, it's brutal. Stop it. Yeah. So those are my reasons. So I feel like let's just use the convert, like the questions, of, because we got a lot of questions on this. So why don't yeah. we just use yeah. the questions to kind of guide the rest of the discussion? So Allison says... What did you think of how Kim finding out about Upsick played out? I thought Ruzik should have talked to Burgess about it and given their history instead of him just making a joke and letting Haley deal with Kim. 100%. That was my only problem with it was like, okay, so she kind of finds out in that first scene when she like walks in on them, like Haley and Ruzik being like close. And then Ruzik makes a comment about how they have to go get in a car together so why can't you have just made the whole thing? See, I thought this was going to play out differently. In my head, I pictured it would have been like Burgess finding out in the very beginning and like officially like knowing. And then they get stuck down in this basement together and like she starts asking questions. Like about how their relationship happened and what happened, you know, because she's like jealous. Like that's, but that was, I guess, me just like wishful thinking. Um, right. But, yeah, I just feel like if they literally make it such a point to comment that, like, Ruzik and Burgess are going to be in a car together, why isn't she at least, A, find out there? Or if not, if you don't want her to find out yet, like, why can't we have seen the car scene? Yeah. Like, I feel like that was an important scene that was missing. 
Yeah, it did play out differently than the way I was thinking. This episode really made Adam look bad. Like, it really made Adam look like a total dog. Yeah, and we'll get there a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I just, I like, I mean, I'm glad she knows. And we're going to talk about the Kim stuff later, too, about, like, well, is Kim kind of moving on? I don't know. But, like, I don't know. I wish it had bothered her a little bit more. I wish Ruzik would have told Burgess, you know, told her about it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it should have been Adam. It always should have been Adam. Yeah, it should have been Adam, like, episodes ago. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, if he had any respect for her, it would have been Adam. Right. Like, it's just one thing if they were exes. Like, I wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have to tell her then. Um, Like, if you were exes that just did, you know, saw each other occasionally, like, around. Like, you wouldn't have had any need to tell her. But you you all Mm -hmm. work together. So, like. Yes. Like you said, just respect her. And respect what you guys had and do it. It's not that hard. It's really not. So Ainsley asks, do we think that the Sergeant Haley dated was her partner when she was undercover as Kelly or are they two separate guys? Uh, it could have been. It could have been. Or do wasn't there that other guy, the one that killed himself? Wasn't she kind of had, didn't she kind of have a thing with him too? I think so. Maybe that was the same person. Right. I would have to go back to that, that episode in season five to be sure. Cause there was a lot of information about Upton in that episode. Yeah. Um, unclear. I mean, I would assume it's the same guy, but I don't know. Cause I feel like depending on which one went first, like I feel like Haley's too much of a rule stickler to like date two different guys like two different partners yeah so on the flip side though i mean kim did that you know they're more similar than they so it's funny you mention that so chiffy pop culture says loves kim and Haley acting like adults and not jealous stereotypes but why would up why should upton feel guilty when kim dated roman in all caps having said that was Haley's excuse for not telling her kind of bs which we answered in yeah, it was kind of BS. I mean, Upton shouldn't feel guilty for any of this. I mean, Upton or Burgess and Roman happening has nothing to do with Upton feeling guilty. I think it's just the way of like, I don't think they're saying, I don't think Jimmy Pop Culture is saying that Upton should feel guilty, like directly correlated, but it's just kind of like interesting, like comparisons that like, I mean, I don't considered Kim and dating Roman, but, like, whatever Kim was doing with Roman, like, you know, she hesitated to tell Adam about, you know, like, bring it up in front of him because they had just broken up. Um, So, like, kind of just parallel situations. But, I mean, it, this one's also ten times worse, the situation with Upton and Adam, because Adam has, you know, Kim maybe went a few weeks, maybe without mentioning to Adam that, like, she was seeing Roman or whatever, but like this has been like months for sure. Yeah. Okay. So that, that does bring up an interesting point that I didn't think of until just now is that, you know, Burgess didn't tell Adam about Roman. So why the double standard? Well, that's what I think the point's trying to make is like, why should Upton feel guilty when Kim dated Roman? So, I mean, if we're going off that logic, then Adam had no obligation to tell Kim. Well, no, but my point is then that, like, yes, he had no obligation to tell her, but, like, 
eventually he found out about her and Roman, but it was only within like a few weeks. This has been going on for months. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of different because Kim was not in intelligence when she dated Roman. Right. Right. Huh. It still it still should have never been up to and it should have been Adam. Oh, for sure. For sure. But then like does I mean, was was Kim under any obligation to tell Adam about Roman? Yes. Cuz they had just broken up. Like, out of respect? Yeah, she should have. Because I, I remember when that episode aired, me being like, it's none of his business. Like, she can do whatever she wants. But, you know, if they want to be civil exes that respect each other and work side by side, then yeah. I mean, well, that one, it was, back then it was so fresh. Like, yeah. you know, like, it probably, you know, if Adam had just run into them on the side of the road, or on the side of the road, <laughs> the side of the street, you know, sidewalk somewhere. Um, like, you know, like, that would have hurt. I mean, I don't know if this would have hurt as much now it didn't really seem to hurt her a ton but like you know it's also been like three years so yeah um and then last question on this part at least was um Haley says I don't know if I believe that Kim is over Rusick and she's fine with Upsick it wasn't very convincing especially after she watched the two of them when they were rescued I still don't know that I buy it do you I don't think this was a conscious, oh, holy shit, I still have feelings for him kind of thing. I think there's always going to be a little something between them. Right. Whether that's written in the script or that's just Marina and Patty playing it up because they know. And even that is kind of evidenced by Ruzik going to Kim first, which I just want to point out one more time. Ruzik went to Kim first. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even that, it's always going to be something subconscious where they're always going to kind of be drawn towards each other. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily say either, like, I don't know, like, I wouldn't say that, like, she's, like, in love with him, but, like, I think there's, like you said, there's always gonna be love there. Yeah, what I will say, though, is that, I mean, when Haley was trying to talk to Kim about it, and Kim was like, I don't really want to talk about it, so I think, I don't know if that's an active thing, I think that's more so, like, they're always gonna have a little slipper of feelings for each other. Yeah, but, Yeah. Do you want to go into your Ruzik rant? Yes. Okay. (laughs) This was a really bad night for Ruzik, as I started out by saying. Ruzik was a complete liability in this episode. Like, every ounce of what Ruzik said and then did in this episode was just like, you are getting in the way. Like, stop. So, first of all, he was a complete dick, starting with a line about riding in the second car. Like, yeah. Just completely disrespectful towards Kim. Well, see... I didn't necessarily find that line disrespectful. I just thought that was like, oh, shit, now this is going to be awkward. Well, I mean, are you really more, you're more worried about it being awkward than Kim's feelings? And that could just be the Berzik shipper in me talking. I think, but. see, here's the thing. I think if they, she had seen them kiss and that then he said that, then I would have had a problem with it. But, like, what, she saw them, like, cute and, cute and, like, almost kiss? Like, yeah, like, should he, I mean, just in general, have had more, again, should he have had more respect for her and, like, just told her? Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I didn't have as big of a problem with that. Hmm. I, I, I thought that was a little dickish, but, you know, whatever. 
Um, and then he wanted to take lead at one point, and Voight was like, no, I know where your head is at. I was like, thank you for speaking up for us, Voight. Yeah, for real. That one, I was <laughs> like, again, okay. The hero we need. Thank you. Um, and then, and then, so Voight's finally like, yeah, okay, you can, like, do something. That's fine. He had one job in the buy, and he fucked that up, too. <laughs> yeah. One job. And when that moment happened, when they were like, okay, you know, Rujik's going to go undercover. He's going to set this up, whatever. I had tweet deck up during the episode and literally the tweets just started flooding in. And it was like, please be cool, Adam. Don't ruin this. Like, you can do it. Please keep your head on straight. It was just tweet after tweet. And he had one job and he legit fucked that up. Yeah. Like, what? What? And so, I mean, yeah, their one suspect, he ran out of the bar and then got hit by a car and died. Similar to the episode where Kev was taken. Yeah. Pointing that out. Yeah, it was a total, like, you just killed Kevin moment. You know, it's kind of like South Park. Like, you killed Kenny. It's like, no, that moment he's like, you killed Kevin. That was similar. So, I mean, legitimately, Adam was totally in the way with every single decision he made in that episode. It was just bad. Well, I feel like we knew that was coming, though, right? That, like... It was all kind of stemmed subconsciously from him being so afraid that, like, these two girls that he really cares about are in danger. I guess I expected more of him. I I expected him to keep his head on straight to some degree. Well, here's where I thought was in, what I thought was interesting was that like where the fuck was the Jay stuff? Like yeah. I expected yes. Jay to be more of a mess too. Like if Adam's going to be a mess, why is Jay not more of a mess? There was zero upstead in this episode. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. What about when Adam went to Jay and was like, you guys should have been there. What did you think of that? I was like, what the fuck? You weren't there. I mean, I was not surprised that it happened. The minute they got taken, I was like, Adam's going to be pissed in some way, shape, or form. Jay handled it well, though. I think Jay realized, like, this is just Adam being Adam. Right, but I was still just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you weren't there. Just, I'm face palming. You can't see me, but I'm just like, whatever. But I mean, yeah, Adam was just legitimately in the way. His temper got in the way. And so I just, that's sort of the reason why I can see why Kim didn't tell him about Roman when it happened. It's because Adam's a hothead. Yeah, that hasn't changed. It's never not. It's always been the same. But then, I mean, as a whole, I mean, Ruzik aside, God, like, intelligence was a disaster in this episode it was like it was like watching your sports team on a really bad night where you're just like let's just scrap this let's just start over next game like we're just having a bad night it was funny that you said like because you had tweeted that or yeah you had tweeted that and the lizards were having like a terrible game that night like while this episode was on like a god-awful night for their like last game before the all-star break and i was like oh gina come on now like it's true, though, because I was like, I mean, this is like the squad. If intelligence can't do something, like, who can, right? And so they're usually such a well-oiled machine, especially when one of their own gets taken. My problem with the like, whole, like, the initial, like, Jay and Burgess going undercover and Kevin and Haley in the van kind of thing in Wisconsin was, like, who thinks it's a good idea to just send four people in to do something like that? Like, why the fuck did not yes. everyone go? That too. I mean, that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why I think intelligence was just a disaster. Like, where was Antonio? Where was Ruth? They were doing like paperwork or some shit. They were in the district. 
That's ridiculous. All you needed was like, and okay, so I mean, obviously Atwater stayed in the van to keep an eye on Jay, but why was Jay like way too far behind her? Because remember the security, like security was going to come after her. And so he had to go talk to security and be like, don't ruin the shit. And that's when it would have helped to have a second set of eyes with Haley to make sure nothing happened. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is Again, like, this is someone who you knows zero literally could have doubled your manpower almost, and you didn't. Because you let them, they stayed behind to do paperwork. Yeah, like, it doesn't even have to be Ruzik behind Upton, because obviously Ruzik's going to fuck that up. Stick Antonio with eyes on Upton, and at least maybe he would have gotten an eye on the license plate. Right. They just were not operating like a well-oiled machine in this episode. Yeah, this was definitely but the most guess, dysfunctional they've been. It was bad. It was really bad. And so, I mean, I guess that kind of warranted Boyd's speech at the end when he was like, you know, we got to keep our personal lives personal. Yeah. It was I just... Really, I really wanted to see him lace into Ruzik, though, and be like, listen, if you ever do that shit again... Yeah. His, his go-to line is like, I will bury you. So I, I would have... I was really hoping he would lace into Ruzik and be like, you completely fucked up that buy. Yeah. So let's just talk about a few Kim-related things to kind of wrap things up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Kim has this new guy. I just... First of all, I love that Younger has just, like, completely invaded Chicago this season. Yes, very much also, so. Also, I'm disappointed in you that you did not know who that was right away. I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I recognized his face immediately, and then my brain just kind of went through, like, the slot machine of, like, where do you know this person from? Is it this show, that show, the other show? No. And it just never clicked. And so, yeah, I didn't recognize him right off the bat. But that's also because I'm behind on Younger. I know. I guess I also, like, I got to sit down with him over the summer, so, like, I love Charles Michael Savy. Like, love him. He's so nice. He's so great. I wonder if he's talked to Molly at all about, like, I'm coming to the One Chicago universe. Like, what do I need to know? Oh, that would be so cool. Um, if they come back to ATX this summer, we'll have to ask. You mean when they come back to ATX this summer? Let's be real. they're at ATX every year, and it's Let's perfect. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, no, but he, Charles Michael Davies is the nice per- nicest person. Um, but, like, I guess, that, I mean, because he was literally around for one season, or one one scene. That's what I was trying to say. I'm assuming mm. this means we're seeing him again. He asked Haley out, so I hope so. Haley, Kim. uh, Kim. He asked Kim well, out. Like, and I feel like you don't hire, I mean, granted, he's not, like, the most, like, popular actor in the world, but he is someone with, like, a recognizable name. Like, I feel like you don't mm-hmm. hire him and, like, make a point of it if he's not coming back. At least for one episode. I'm not saying it needs to turn into, like, a ten-episode thing, but, like, at least one episode. Yeah. I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And so he's a political consultant, right? Yeah, because he was asking Platt about the... Um, the photo op, and she was like, what, I'm going to stand next to Lake Michigan in February? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love this comment we got in an email from Haley, though. She was like, I'm glad we get a new guy for Kim. I hope they go to house hunting, and she rudely inserts herself into situations with his dad, constantly talks down to him at work, lies and says she cares about him, and then Adam can find out they're dating when he gets invited to the wedding. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. Oh, yeah, that's really funny. I, You know, I mean, no relationship is perfect. Yeah. And then, I don't know. Go ahead. I ha- well, I was gonna say I um 
you know, throughout the week as these like sneak peeks have dropped and everything, you know, you're talking to other people and you're theorizing and stuff. And um, one of our listeners, Jessica S., who's been on before, we actually had a good conversation this week just talking about the show this week being obviously the week before when you're listening to this. And, um, you know, we talked about Upsick and we talked about everything because that first peak, that's the, the only sneak peek that dropped from this episode was when Burgess finds out about them. And so my first indication there, I was just like, oh, man, I was like, I didn't realize like, I never really dawned on me that this episode could be more of a nail in the coffin for Bursic than anything else. And so we started to talk. And one of the things that we were talking about, we got into, you know, Haley's feelings for Adam and everything. And so something that we keep circling back to is that I feel like Haley was really scared by seeing Jay shot in the crossover. And so she's just used that to bury, she just kind of buried her feelings about that into hooking up with Adam. But if that's the case, there was zero buildup to Upsick, right? So it just means that Haley was trying to bury her feelings and Adam just rolled with it. So one of the points that Jessica made was like, Adam might've really taken advantage of her vulnerability in that moment. I understand where you're coming from. And I think that like in theory, that's probably true, but like, Here's the thing, if Haley doesn't, if Haley channels that as, like, she's decided to channel her feelings for Jay and, like, project them as love or whatever you word you want to use towards Adam, like, how is he supposed to know? Like, it's not like she is just kind of still staying with him and, like, shying him away. No, she's, like, in fact, like, since Jay got shot, like, since Jay got shot, has come off as more lovey-dovey towards Adam. I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from in theory, hmm. but, like, like, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, how... Yeah. They're still they're still together. They're still well, and going. She's how showing is that possible? That, like, she's more into him than ever. So, like, how is that, like, her, him taking advantage of her if she's projecting it as, like, feelings for Adam when she really is just trying to like figure out what she's actually doing for her feelings for Jay. Well, we know how Haley feels about Adam. Allegedly, she really cares. I don't think we've ever once heard Adam talk about how he feels about Haley. He's like making jokes about house hunting. That makes me just cringe. I think, I think we, I don't know if we've, he's ever actually come out and said, I think he cares about her. And like, I mean, you know, likes her a lot. I don't know if he loves her, but like, you know. So, I mean, they're, I mean, they're clearly not defining their relationship, but I mean, are they just fuck buddies? Like, what are they? I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like they have a strong foundation to their relationship. Well, yeah. But I don't know. I could be wrong. No, I don't think, I mean, you're definitely not wrong. I just, I don't know. They're all great questions. Yeah, I'm just, I'm at that point with these two because I just, they're making Adam, well, okay. Would it be too much to say that Upzik is making Adam look bad? In what ways? I mean, he's coming off as an a-hole. Is he though? I, the, the, the shying away from telling Kim. Okay, but that's one instance. That's true. Like, if you had said he'd been acting a-hole to everyone except for Upton, then, like, yeah. But, like, that's, like, one isolated incident. Yeah, and I mean, but, okay, so would he would he have snapped at Jay like that if it had just been Kim? 
Maybe. We don't know. I wonder. I mean, here's... If it had just been Kim and he'd still been seeing Upton, or, like, if he hadn't been seeing Upton, like, I don't know. There's so many... If he was still with Upton and it was Kim who had been abducted just by herself, would he have still snapped it? I think so. Maybe not as harshly, but I think so. I mean, but then again, with this writing, I don't know. But, like, I think if we're not considering a TV show and you're really buying into the world, yes. If we're considering who's writing this show, maybe not. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's messy. It's really messy. Yeah. But I wonder where they're going to take this with Kim and Blair was his name. Yeah. I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like they don't bring that up if they're not, if he's not coming back for at least one episode. Oh, that reminds me. Remember when Marina had tweeted, like, Burgess is going to meet someone new? Yeah. That, okay. (laughs) I just put two and two together. (laughs) Yeah, Gina. Okay, it took me a while, but I did it, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know. I mean, like, he also, I mean, he clearly has political ties, and he's asked Platt to get involved, so, like, maybe he sticks around for a little bit with all these political things coming back up. Which, I mean, I'm okay. If you just want to slowly but surely drag the younger cast over, like, cast member by cast member, I'm cool with that. As long as we don't keep them around for a permanent basis, because, like, younger still has to exist. Like, I think Nico's going to pop up on fire next. Like, who knows? (laughs) Oh my god, Nico on fire. Nico on fire would be amazing. No. <laughs> oh goodness. I love Younger. It's so good. But then, okay, so think about it, because Peter Herman could pop up then, and then they could cross over with SVU, and it's totally meta, because, like, he's married to Marishka Hargitay. Yeah, I don't even think he needs to pop up on this world. Just go pop up on SVU. Yes! Go pop up on P- SVU. And if you don't watch Younger, you should, because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm so, ATX every year and they give us popsicles. <laughs> There's only the, my first year that didn't do popsicles this year. They didn't. Oh man. Yeah. No, two years ago they, they did give us popsicles and that was nice. Cause it's it was like, hot as hell. It's like, a, it's like a bajillion degrees in Austin in the first weekend of June, but that's beside the point. Um, but no, so I wonder if like, he's going to have to do with this political stuff. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because, I mean, we've seen – we've already seen an episode where Burgess has gotten roped into the political side. Right. So I wonder if she's going to get roped in I would again. assume so. Does he work for Kelton or does he just work for the city? I don't remember. It was one scene. I was I was too busy distracted by the fact that Charles Michael Davies was on my screen and I didn't know he was popping up. And I was too busy trying to figure out where I knew him from. So, <laughs> Yeah. I just yeah. wonder, though, because, like, it's interesting, though, like, when we were talking about, like, where's PD going, like, ramping up towards this season, with this season, I guess they're going, like, political. Very like, with this so. race, this mayor's race, and, I mean, they're bringing, obviously, Price's daughter, who's going to get political, like, I, that's clearly where PD's going. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of convinced he's coming back and he's going to play some part in this. But I could, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's getting nuts. So the last thing I have in the outline, and this is obviously I I unloaded in the outline like immediately after the episode aired, which is all it was just good, but also like really bad because I was in a hell of a mood after that episode. Um, 
So another listener named Haley, she had tweeted kind of a hot take and I just loved it and I wanted to add it. And so um, she said, how come everyone else outranks Burgess, but she seems to be the more professional and better job, better at her job than the rest of the team. Okay, that's like the hottest take of all time, but I like it. Because like sometimes it really seems like Burgess is the only grown up in the room. Sometimes, yeah. I don't know. I liked it. And again, I was in a really bad mood after the episodes aired. So I had some hot takes in there. But yeah, no, sometimes. I mean, how do you think? Like, how did, What did you think about her reaction? She reacted exactly how we thought we were. she was going to, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I had a feeling she was going to, like, take it like an adult. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought it was a funny hot take. So whatever. Any other notes on PD? Nope. That's it. I mean, next week's going to be filler because, like, it's a crossover, so. Nothing earth-shattering is going to yeah. happen. No, I shouldn't say that. Something terribly earth-shattering is going to happen. I'm going to knock on wood while I do that. I know better. Why did I say that? Yeah. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I think that's about all we've got. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. So, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, right across the board. We're everywhere. Um, email us anytime about anything. It's meetusatmollies at gmail.com. Seriously, like, we love to hear your input on these things. Please get in touch with us. Um, if you like the show, which I really hope you do, because if you're still listening to this, you've made it to the end of a two-hour episode, please drop us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. So this week's episode, recapping episodes 15, will drop a week from today. So Monday the 20th. Wait, hold on. Math. Monday the 25th. So again, it'll be a Monday release. And then after that, we should get back to a normal schedule of releasing on Fridays. But yeah, otherwise, you guys have a good week. And we will tweet with you on Wednesday. Bye.